Welcome to Leap Year, a podcast about taking chances, making mistakes, and spending a year or several leaping into something new. I'm your host, Jess Cajo. While bringing this podcast to fruition, there was one thing I struggled with the most, finding an artist to do my cover art. I was on the phone with my best friend, telling her I just wanted to have a cartoon version of myself, something that felt perennial and would not have to be redone. In came Anthony Coscon Conover. I found Anthony where so many great things live, Tumblr, and immediately was drawn to his style. It felt distinct, polished, and very black. I knew that this person would understand me and what I wanted. Anthony's work jumps off the page, makes you think, and always has a message. He exalts black femmes, their looks, and their words for the masses. And he does all of this with a quick sense of humor, which is exactly how this interview starts. I was a very confident sperm, so it all started with that. (laughs) 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 But um, my childhood was split between growing up in the Bay. Um, I grew up in San Leandro and then a Castro Valley just up over the hill. Okay. And then, um, and then in eighth grade, I moved to Sacramento, and so I did high school there. Um, and then I went to UC Davis. Um, I majored in art studio. Baby girl dropped out, you know, junior year because I'm an artist, and I just have to go with the flow. <laughs> so I did that, and then I I literally spent from what like. Uh, 2009 um until like a couple years ago just like doing everything under the sun you know I did every every small job um I worked at Jody Maroney's Sausage Kingdom on Market Street in San Francisco I was the manager of a gelato shop I was an overnight porter at a boutique hotel in Williamsburg like I just I just did all these things um And the only constant really was art, you know, that was like the one thing that I was devoted to. And the one thing that I was like, for sure, like clinging on to that. I just, it was never even an option to stop. You know, that was never, that never wavered for me. And were you drawing like, since you've been really little, what, what, what was like the spark? Was it in school that you started drawing? Did you just draw to kind of relieve anxiety what was what was art for you oh no I was drawing since I was like a little wee one um Mm -hmm. I think honestly until like since I was like five or six or something and I just like it was just such a thing for me and I'm an only child so um I had a lot of time to do all of that yeah yeah and so I do like comic books I I do like um I did Sailor Moon. I did Pokemon. I did um, Spice Girls comic books. Like, <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you said Sailor Moon and Spice Girls, I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be baby, but with growth, I want to be ginger. So there's that. I mean, <laughs> let's talk about the glow up there. No, um, and so, but yeah, I mean, um, I've just always drawn, and you know, the relationship with it obviously changes over time. I feel like it took me a while to get back to experiencing it like a kid would. Like, I feel like somewhere in the middle, like you get really uh, caught up kind of in like it being adulted by other people. 
you know, like in high school, it was like, okay, well, it doesn't look like a real dog. And then you kind of spend all this time kind of being like, oh my God, like I need to be like a quote unquote fine artist. And then I feel like something that's super important as an artist is to lean into your style. You have to, you know, like, I think the only, I feel like this is true of so many things, like, um, especially like in the culinary world, right? Like you learn how to do something to a T properly, you know how to do it, and then you do whatever the fuck you want. Right. You know, like you, you make that work for you and you take it apart and you rebuild it and you create this thing that is very much like to your taste. Yeah, you have to personalize it. You have to, you know, or otherwise you're just making this random thing, but there has to be some soul in it. And so um, it took me, it took me a minute to like come back to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like at this point, I've never been more, I guess, comfortable or more like have I've never had like a better relationship with with my art and like my style and my voice quote unquote yeah so talk talk to us a bit about like the timeline when how long were you doing all these different jobs to deciding that this is what you're really going to focus on how did that transition work was it over the course of a year was it over the course of several years how did it come together Ooh, many many years many many years um it took me it took me a minute. Like, I feel like I I had like, I wouldn't want to call them false starts. They were just random things that happened that were really like, what? This is not real. And then it was like, and it wasn't not real, but it was ephemeral. And now it's done. Like, for a hot minute, um, I worked for Lauren Hill. I... Oh. It just, it happened out of nowhere. Literally, it was a Craigslist ad. Fun little crazy story. I was working at the hotel in Williamsburg. Lauren Hill was staying in that hotel. I got my little bid in of like, you're so important to me and I love you. I listened to Lauren Hill Unplugged a thousand times. Like, it's so good. So I, I had that little bit and literally like a month later, I answered this Craigslist ad, completely nondescript, almost to the, the point of being shady. And then I signed an NDA. Um, and then this woman was like, um, you're going to be working. Oh, I'm going to connect you with uh, Miss Lauren Hill. And then homegirl was just like directly emailing me. And then I'm just going back and forth with Lauren Hill. You're just wow. like, instantly. yeah, just so I don't know where I was losing my shit. Like I was just like, I mean, how do I write an email? Uh, how do I draw? Like, I feel like I have to do like an online tutorial or something like what, what am I doing? Um, and then I just, I did that for a year and a half. Um, and it, it was just like, so it was, um, sketching apparel for her. And so it was a lot of just like technical, um, illustrations and homegirl is like random. Like she would send me random, you know, (laughs) she would send me random pictures. The most random thing she ever sent me was. It was a picture she took on her phone of the TV, but like zoomed in, and it was a still of Goldie Hawn on the deck of a yacht in Overboard. And she said, This white windbreaker. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
I need you to sketch this white windbreaker. And then I would, in like every sketch, I would do like a thousand times. And it would be like, mm-hmm. no, I need it to look like this weight. I need it to look heavier. I need it to look lighter. I need, I need the cuffs to be like, it was so particular. And so, yeah, that, but once again, like that happened and all the while I'm still an overnight porter at a hotel, mm-hmm. you know, like, there are so many things that I feel like this happens for a lot of artists. Like you come to a place where you accept the good things, but you don't cling to them. Or if you're really, if you're in it for the long haul, you come to that place. Um, And I don't, I mean, I don't know. I've gone through my head about like whether or not, like I'm an old jaded queen at this point or something. But (laughs) when certain things come up, I still get excited, but I let it just come through. I yeah. don't, you know, I don't hang my hat on it and say, and now I made it. Mom, I'm putting down the down payment on your new house. Like it, you have to just have things come in and you do the work. You drill down, you get it done. You focus on being proud of it. And then you just keep it pushing, you know? Yeah. And like, I feel like I've, I've gone to that place, but, um, all to say that um, it wasn't until last year that I really, really full-blown leaned into doing freelance, where I was just taking gigs and getting really serious about like picking these things up and um, putting out content on my Instagram that was more polished and like just thinking a lot more about and leaning into my inner Capricorn, to be real, like the marketing and the polish and really coming through and like making little connections and stuff. Um, And then at the top of this year, I was just like, I want to do this full time. (laughs) Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this my thing. Um, And um, your interview with Jody, I believe Mm -hmm. um, she said something really great, which was if you, if you're able to do something that you love and you're able to make a living from it, like it's a lucky thing and you should do it. And I feel like that's where I was. If you're, it doesn't matter what age you are. If you're, if you're working in retail, food service, whatever, you do what you got to do to make a buck. It all takes work. It all takes effort. It all takes a lot. Like People, people who are working retail should get paid as much as like, you know, professors, Yeah, but, you know, like, but if you have a thing that you care about that you can do, you should try to like push into that. And that was, that was kind of where I was at. Like I turned 31 this year and I kind of felt like, Hey, I made it. I made it. <laughs> but I, I was basically just like if not now, then when, you know, and I just kind of like, I trusted that if I jumped, the net would appear, you know, and it did, it really did. Like I started getting gigs, um, like, and you know, if anybody's listening to this, that's like in, in the mix and like wanting to do that, make sure you have gigs happening. You know, like I waited until I had like a steady flow Um, and then I just, I just trusted that things would come in and it, it really started up doing that. Um, which is one thing thing to another. It's true. Yeah. And you just have to be willing to say yes, just say yes. So I'm thinking, I 
what's a time between you getting Lauren Hill and you starting to go like full throttle last year? And then again, you know, even more so this year. Um, so Lauren Hill was like 2015. Okay. So that, that's, that to me is really, um, key because I think people, you know, sometimes think that if you just hit it big with like one person, a celebrity, a big gig, you know, you get a profile in the, in the New York times, something like that, like that is the sign of success. And I mean, it is, it is a marker to an extent, but it doesn't mean that from then on, like everything is smooth sailing. It just, Mm -hmm. you know, things just come in. They're still quite the grind that happened for you. That happens for lots of people. Um, before that's why there's when people are like, you know, the overnight success and then the person who they're usually talking about is like, well, it took 10 years to get to this overnight success. Yeah. I think that's what we're, that's what they're talking about. No, it like, that's 100% true. Like I, I had all of these things happen and for the first, like the first five things or whatever, it was like, boom, I did it. I made it. And then it was just kind of like, Oh no. Yeah. Like you said, like I still have to go to my job. Like, and in the beginning also, some of those things aren't even paid, you know, like in the beginning, it's kind of like, Oh, exposure, you know, like, of course that's going to work for me, but that's not a thing. I mean, exposure is a thing to a certain extent, but like at this point, if you're going to expose me, then I need to be exposed to coin. Like, I need need a payout, like, pronto. Like, I don't have time. Like, um, you learn that really fast, that, like, visibility is not currency because it doesn't, it's not a promise thing, you know? Like, I've had features, I've been published in magazines and things, and, like, but the actual reality of somebody seeing your name in a magazine and being like, Hmm, let me find out what this person's email is. And then let me give them like a six figure salary. Like it doesn't happen like that. Like you said, like it's, it's a grind. It is a go grind. Um, and so, yeah, it took, it took a decent amount of time between Lauren Hill and now, you know, to, to develop that and get that moving. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like what you're hearing? Go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from and give us five stars. Putting content together is hard work and your quick validation will be a boost to my ego and will bump this podcast up on the charts. Thanks so much. Now let's get back to the show. So you have a really um, distinct aesthetic, in my opinion. Um, And for our listeners, um, you did the, our podcast logo. And when I was very excited and I, and I had struggled to find, um, someone to like, who understood what my vision was. I was working with someone else who ghosted essentially. Um, and I was talking with my best friend and I, and I said like, all I really want is I like, like, I love the read. I listen to the podcast, the read, and they have like a Daria aesthetic to their logo. Um, and that made me think of Jody Landon, who's the only black girl on, on Daria. And I was like, I just want something that looks like Jody Landon. Like I want to, I want a, a fictionalized version of me that looks like Jody Landon. How can I find that? And then I just Googled Jody Landon 
artwork and I found you and I found your Tumblr and I was like, this, this is what I want. I literally, it just like, I saw it. I was on the phone with her and I was like, I think I found the person. This is the person. I just like tried to find her email immediately. It just felt instant. Um, and that speaks to your style that really jumps off the screen. Like I could not have got been more excited. I felt like, wait, why did, why did it take me months to do this? You know, it just in, in like within a period of five minutes, I had gone from, damn it, girl, I wish I could find this person to, I found this person, like this is their email. Um, so how did you develop that, that aesthetic? Because it, it's very specific and it's continuous throughout all your works. Like not everything looks the same, but there is like a stamp. You know what I mean? Ooh. Well, first of all, I am blushing under all of this melanin, let me tell you. <laughs> Um, I'm so happy that this connection happened. I'm so happy that you hit me up. Like, um, I just want to say, and I said it on the phone when we first talked, but like what you're doing is necessary. Like I, if I had this podcast like 10 years ago, you know, like it's, it's actually really hard to find people legitimately saying like there are highs and lows and it takes some time. There's a pivot that's involved because it's not, you don't get to hear that. People don't want to tell you that they don't. And so, um, so just thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you for that. Um, um, but yeah. Um, the style, is that what you asked about the style? Yes. Yes. How do you develop your, like your aesthetic? Mm, Um, I think it just, it was like a, it, it was just like a poo-poo platter of things. Like when I was younger, it was a mix of like loving comic books. And we grew up at such a great time because it was like the combination of like American animation was really like hitting this, this like plateau. And then anime was like coming at us full speed, you know? And it was so fresh and it was so exciting. And it just, I feel like we, and maybe it's just because we were young at the time. And so it feels like the cornerstone, but like, it really felt like that was such a, like, um, a gold rush, um, of visual communication in terms of like anime uh, or animation illustration. Like we had Disney movies, we had all of this stuff. And I feel like my style was just like, it just came in through all of that stuff. It just, it like went through a sifter and it landed where I'm at now. Yeah. I feel like we grew up on a steady diet of like Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z. At least that's what we (laughs) constantly. So I, I, I think what really pulls me to your work, pulls me to your page, makes me want to come back is that it's, I don't feel like it's just, you know, something nice to look at. I always feel like you're trying to tell a story. um, And that, especially in these, you know, fresh horrors that we live in, um, that art and activism is kind of coming together in a way that it may have not, you know, um, in previous years. Every time I go to an action, I'm seeing people with like different types of like Black Lives Matter uh, t-shirts on that are not just with the print, you know, not just with the words, yeah. but with some type of artwork. Um, you've done some shirts like that. I, that's what I wore to the action. I, I 
went to yesterday, your um, Black Trans Lives <gasps> shirt. Um, and so I like, why is that? Why is that important to you? What, what's the story you're trying to tell when you're putting that out? Ooh, um, I mean, I don't know. Cause I'm, it, I guess it is, it literally is this simple. Like I want to be able to speak on things that are important and bring style to it. Um, and I don't know if that's like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know how that sounds, but like, I think like for me, that's incredibly important. I want to make work that feels really contemporary, feels like pop. Um, but it's also like talking about these things that we need to be talking about. Um, and I mean, this year, this like flaming pile of garbage of a year, like really, um, I think it really pushed me to want to spell it out. Um, and up until then, it was basically just wanting to focus on femmes with power, femmes that were unmoved, femmes that were unbothered, that were just like self-possessed. Um, and that was the whole thing for me. And just kind of giving giving all these women like all these layers and energies. Um but then this all started to happen and it was like, there is no, like, I feel like there is no time to just like drop an image. There has to be something behind it and it can't just be, I'm showing you this femme and then I'm hoping that you're seeing, you know, 30 years of inspiration and like all these different women and all these different, like, you know, you're, you're seeing all these different people, like you have to spell it out. And so literally, like, I started spelling it out, you know, like, I, I started, like, really leaning in and, like, writing pieces, really speaking on what the piece was, like, not leaving any wiggle room. And basically using, it's basically like a spoonful of sugar, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I want, I want people to stop and see the thing, but then I want them to, like, stay and, like, see that this is actually, like, I'm trying to rope you into like having this conversation, you know, in another way, because I feel like that's what we're all, I think that's what a lot of artists are doing. I think that's what a lot of black folks are doing. Like we're, we're literally just on the side of the freeway trying to flag people down, you know, we're just trying to flag people down. And so I'm just doing that in the only way that I know how. Um, Which feels really natural. It doesn't, it's not, I mean, it's not going to be forced because you're a black person. So <laughs> there's no way for, for it to be forced. I think what, what I appreciate about it is I come to your page almost for a sense of reprieve. Like, even though we're, you're speaking on serious things that are happening to us um, and to our, to our people constantly every single day and how traumatic it is to see uh, images of people who look just like you getting murdered day after day. I think that you, I almost, I'm like, damn it. Someone is saying it right. Like you're bringing me to your page and we'll let's look at this beautiful piece that you've put together, but it is constantly making me think, but not in a mm-hmm. way that makes my brain want to explode, which is how most of the news <laughs> makes me feel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's just very clear. Like, it's like, look, we don't have a lot of time for like shenanigans if you don't know what time it is read this post (laughs) look at it figure like like you need to 
find some resources to educate yourself, but it feels almost like a better way than it's a, it feels like a good way to respond to like, what should I do when, when folks who are not black are asking, what should I, what should I do? How can I be a good ally? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to say that in a dismissive way. I'm just saying yeah. that for me as a black woman, sometimes I'm tired. Like I'm tired of hearing the questions. I'm tired of being the resource. And I'm kind of like, read a book, read a book or follow <laughs> like lots of people on Instagram who are talking about this all the time so yeah. that we're not talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, we're existing at a point where like, there is no reason that people cannot type in some words into Google. But I mean, that I guess that's the problem we're in, right? Like, it's not even about like an accessibility of information. It's people just not giving a shit. They don't, this has been something they've been faced with forever. It's just that we're talking about it a lot more, but like, um, I can't, I wish I could remember who said this. I hate when I'm listening to people talk about something and they're like, I can't remember who said it, but, and I'm like, that <laughs> um, I will, I will issue a statement when I figure out who said it. But, um, but she said that um, when we talk about black lives mattering, like it's a meme now, it's a meme, yeah. you know, we have, we have tossed that sentiment around and it has passed through so many people's hands. Um, and now it's just a thing that white people stencil onto construction paper and put on their doors, you know, and they add it to whatever they do and they mindlessly share these posts. They mindlessly like things just like they'd like, like a Kardashian post. It's just a double click and a scroll on, you know? And, um, I feel like there, I don't know, like, in a way it's frustrating because I'm not, I'm not a uh, pessimistic, but I also think, you know, if you're black in this country, it's not even being pessimistic. It's looking at the receipt of history, you know, but like, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop or like the spotlight to kind of shift, you know, people's bandwidth for empathy is so short, you know, people can't, it's, it's literally like, if a, if a natural disaster happens, then people take their coins out of caring about black lives and they put it into that. Right. There are a limited yeah. amount of coins, a lim- limited amount of attention. And yeah. if something else happens, this is where I'm shifting my attention. I can't really do two things at once. 100%. And it's like, y'all not see like we're people, you know, like we're not piggy banks. Like we're, we're like, we're like your auntie. And your best friend, like we're literal human beings with depth and experiences. And just like the Breonna Taylor thing, like that whole situation and the reason that she is somebody that we're holding up um, of like the 18 billion lives that have just been like completely disregarded is that there was no wiggle room for people to cherry pick all of these different reasons why like maybe she should be cast to the side, you know, like there was nowhere for white people to run. Um, She was existing and contributing to the community and didn't have any, you couldn't fabricate some kind of thing. It wasn't like, Oh, maybe she was like walking around at night with like saggy pants or like, maybe she was like giving somebody a little bit of sass. It was like, no, fool. Like she wasn't doing any of that stuff. None of this was happening. And so 
I feel like what we're all trying to do is desperately work to have people see like she was a human being. She was a human being. She had family. She had friends. She had a daily routine. She listened to her music in the morning. She had a commute. She like was a human. She did. She did the same things we all do, which kind of circles back in a way to um, why it's important to me to create work that does feel contemporary because I feel like that's another way to get to people and see like these things are not happening in the abstract. This is like occurring in real time. This is happening in the world that we're holding. You know, this isn't some kind of like floating, you know, bunch of text. It's like, this is now, this is right now. This is happening in this exact period of time. And it is reflective of all the same things that you're inhabiting. The things you're seeing on Instagram, the things you're aspiring to, that is connected to the same life that these human beings are connected to. And like you, you can't, you can't turn away and stop, um, stop applying that rule of reality, you know, between the people and the things you encounter in your everyday life. Yeah. This is not something that's, still in the history books. It's something that's happening right now, every day. It's a constant. 100%. Yeah. I, I, I think that, um, I mean, the Breonna Taylor stuff has really just, Oh, it's, it's been a lot, I have to say. Um, and yesterday I went, I went to, um, these two actions, one in the morning, one in the evening, and I put on your shirt as like power like an armor for myself for that day um, that was like going to help get me through. Cause I just felt so depressed. And in the evening I went to this, um, what ended up, I didn't know it was going to be that. I thought it was just going to be like an action or them of people, you know, talking about what had happened with, you know, select speakers. Um, and they, it was instead at like an art installation or exhibit that had uh, the portraits of, all of like all of the black and brown people who have been uh, killed by police mm. or while in police custody in the Bay over the mm. last five years. And there were um, over 500 and maybe 20 people that mm. fit there. Um, they said they didn't even, they, if they had done the state, it would have been even more. Um, and that just, it just, it was very striking. It was very striking because it's in this rotunda in downtown Oakland and there are like three layers of very tall steps. And so all of those areas were just covered in faces um, and they had people's names and ages. And I thought to myself, you know, like we've gotten to a point where we can fill an entire rotunda of faces and they had, and they had the families um, of those who have been, killed speaking. So their parents or their, you know, relatives, um, speaking. And I, I just felt like we have to do better, you know, like we, we, we kind of, we feel comfortable demonizing people or kind of giving excuses for why this would have happened, you know, saying, well, they were wearing this or they were acting this way. Yeah. Um, and then in cases like Breonna Taylor or, um, Chris Cooper, the, the birder, in New York, it's, you know, there's really like no, nothing that anybody can come up with. They're, they're yeah. upstanding members of society. 
and these things are still happening to them. And if anything, it highlights the fact that it doesn't matter what standing you have in society, that you, this shouldn't be happening to you, period. Right. It's yeah. like how hard it is. If, if people can't see people's humanity when they are, when they have died and they try to smear them and they have been quote unquote upstanding individuals, they are not going to see the humanity of anyone else that they can try to say, well, you had a record or you were wearing these clothes when that's just completely insane. Like how does, how does wearing baggy pants translate to being killed? I don't yeah, understand. Exactly. What's yeah. the, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a lot. Well, shifting gears a bit, um, when you think of, you know, how you've worked to kind of promote your work to, to, to have other people see, it seems that you've gone from Tumblr being this, the first place to Instagram more so now. Um, how did, is that, did that just evolve naturally because, you know, lots of people were on Tumblr and when Instagram started, people moved over to that, or do you still use that Tumblr as a space to kind of start things off, you know what I mean? And then create, have the Instagram be more for the business um, and, and more polished? Well, um, I don't, I don't understand how any of this stuff, like, <laughs> I just don't, I don't, I just don't. I literally don't. I feel like grandma again with my bonnet on, just like squinting at the screen. I don't get it. Like, I, I started, um, I mean, since I was on Tumblr, like, you know, like, you know, like we were onto that, like when it started, it was just a dust bowl, you know, like it was just a bunch of like, I, like, I don't even know. So I, I had that Tumblr, I was posting art on that, like consistently. Um, I didn't have an Instagram until I think like 2015 or something. Um, and so I started putting art on there. Um, and occasionally I add to my Tumblr, but what's so crazy is like, it's so hard to make the crossover happen. Um, and I think that's something that I don't understand, you know, like it's so the way that content gets pushed around on Tumblr is so different than the way it gets pushed around on Instagram. You How know? so? Like, I feel like things it's hot and cold, but like certain things travel insanely on Tumblr. And I feel like a big part of it is the speed with which you can share it. It doesn't take anything for you to reblog. And that's something that Instagram isn't. You can't just share it. And then it just, the whole point is that you're creating your own content and everybody wants their own content to shine on Tumblr um, and what's still, I mean, I still have like a regular Tumblr that I just like, I have a massive Tumblr that I just add all this stuff that really inspires me. But like, it's a space where you can curate. You can take the things you like, and then you can just put them there. And then all these people in your network or whatever can keep passing it on. And so I have pieces on Tumblr, you know, some that have like two legs, but there are some that, like, there's a piece of mine that has 10,000 likes. Wow. Which is so crazy, but it's like, I would literally never know. Um, and, like, I don't think, you know, like, it, there is no feedback loop there. It just is. You know, like, that piece is just getting, like, passed through a bunch of different hands. And I don't even know who did what with it, who reblogged it, who. I don't, like, you can't, you can track it, but you can't track it. 
you know? And so it's just, it, they're just completely different universes. You know, with Instagram, it's kind of like a, you get like 24 hours and then it's, it, the window's closed. And then it's dead. Yeah. You know, which is so crazy. And like, I don't know, it's, I, I feel like, I feel like it's hard to, that's such a tumultuous relationship to have with um, Instagram because it, it doesn't matter how much work you put into it. You know, like you can labor over it for hours and hours. And like, at some point you have to reconcile with the fact that like, maybe nobody's going to care about this. You know, right. it has such a short amount of time to pop off. And if it doesn't, it's, it, that's, it is what it is kind of thing. Yeah. That's it. That's like all you get. And like, it's hard to not feel some type of way <laughs> about it. Like, and you know, and it's a narrative that so many people talk about. And like, I have so many friends, Oh, there are like friends of mine that, you know, they create really great work and it's, it's such a, oh, it's like such a, a combination of efforts. And I don't know, like, there are certain people where I, I want to try to lay out like some things that help, you know, some things that'll help you like push along on things like Instagram, but it's also another day. Like I've been doing this for five years. And so I've like experienced the 50,000 iterations that information's been passed around, you know? Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, to bring it back to your question, like, um, at this point, yeah, Instagram is where the business happens. It's where people see my work. Um, it's where at this point, like where, I mean, all my commission propositions happen through DMs. I make sales through DMs, you know, like it, it's so crazy. Like people's relationship with Instagram, they put more faith into that than anything else. You know, it, it's bringing people to a second location is so hard. You know, it's hard to bring somebody to your website or bring somebody to your Etsy. But if somebody's following you and they trust you even a little bit, they're down to give you their Venmo and talk about prices, sizes, and addresses, you know? And so that's that's basically Instagram's kind of like my office at this point. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I feel like for Tumblr, the art is just existing, like can just exist and that is okay. And I, I, I like that actually. I like that there's a place where you don't have to necessarily hear anything back, but, um, but you also do need to hear, you know, you do need to hear feedback. You do need to be able to communicate with the person. And that's um, for all the faults that Instagram has. One of the things that it does help develop for a business um, would be that personal relationship. I completely agree with you when you say that people trust you because, because you can comment and because you can, you know, direct message the person and feel like, you know, them, you yeah. start trusting people that you don't actually know, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. but, but you feel like, well, you know, we know each other here and yeah. it's much easier to have that relationship grow. And if, you're trying to do it for business purposes, it works or can work. Yeah, 100%. So when you think of, you know, what you wish you knew 10 years ago when starting this, what advice you would have for someone, what is it? I mean, top, top, 
top, top, top one is engage with what you do every single day. If you're a musician, if you're a painter, if you're a writer, it doesn't matter what it is. Interact and engage with that every single day. Touch the instrument, draw a line, sing a note, whatever it is, but like maintain your connectivity with that. Don't don't drop off. You're in a relationship, you are joined at the hip, and you cannot let a day go by that you don't feed it. I think like for anybody doing anything, that's what it is. You have to consistently refresh your understanding that like this is a living organism and it needs it needs to be watered constantly so that's that i mean i i can't imagine being where i'm at right now um without having done all that work and like so i mean god so many things have happened and it's been such a long journey but like i feel like if i wasn't constantly engaging with my art the way I have been, it would be different. Mm, That's another reason to do that also is you create more space for you to build your style and build your comfort with it. Um, I think that's a big thing. Like you, it's so important to just become comfortable, you know? Um, So that's my tip top one. To live and Um, breathe it. Yeah. Live and breathe it. Um, And something that I'm, it's a lesson I'm constantly having to learn, but like you have to be into what you're putting out. You have to be into it. Um, I, I have done plenty of things where I'm kind of like, well, I know people are really into that. So I'm just going to give it that old Coscon spin. And then you put it out and it's kind of like, you don't realize it until you put it out, but it's like, Oh, I don't even like that. (laughs) I don't like those colors or that feels canned or something. And then when nobody cares about it, it's kind of like, well, I didn't even care about it, you know? So, you know, there you are. Like you have to, you have to be into it. You have to, and maybe even consider treating it. Like if you did this piece and you put it out and it did well, and then everybody for the rest of your life came to you to do that piece would you still (laughs) want to wake up in the morning and be an artist? You know? So I I feel like that's a big thing too. Like just maintain being into what you're into. Um, That's like so big. That reminds me a lot of like the nineties for like when a pop star would come out and their first or second album would be this like cookie cutter studio type of album. Yes. I mean, I, I I think back to like a lot of the Christina Aguilera interviews where she says, she was, "Yes, okay, <laughs> we're on the same wave. We're on the same wavelength." Um, of her saying like those albums were just to fulfill her contract, but the kind of music she really wanted to make, they wouldn't let her make. Yeah, and the what they wanted her is to like over sexualize herself engaged in like petty feuds with people that she didn't actually have feuds with you know (laughs) that it was it was it was all about creating this image of a of a star rather than who she as Christina was and I I I I feel like we're moving away from that um because it also reminds me I, I recently read the the um this LA Times piece on uh Kim Cattrall where she just talks about like constantly being asked about this one role, which she feels very lucky about, but 
are lucky to have had, but also she's done so many other things. Um, and I'm hoping that we are moving away from like pigeonholing people that they have to fit this one way. And because this is what was successful and this is what made them money, right. That this is what we're going to, like, this is the only version of them we're going to invest in, even if it's not authentic to them. 100%. Yeah. I think we are, I think we're definitely moving in a better direction for that. And I do feel like more than ever, people really are attaching and connecting to unique stories. And I feel like it's a big lesson that I feel like a lot of creatives are learning is that people can create a personal connection with you talking about your own story. You know, like... It could be your own thing and people are still going to see themselves in that. You know, you can, you can be candid. You can talk about what you're going through. And it is that strange contradiction of like, your experience is your experience, but it's not so niche that like nobody understands it, you know, and people are able to come to the table and they're able to see you for who you are and see that you're somebody telling a very unique story, but they're still able to say like this person struggled or this person's dealing with like, I, I started to like be more comfortable talking about like personal things. Um, I think one of the, like the first time I spoke about something like super personal was talking about my relationship with my blackness. And like, I was so anxious to like put a post out about that. Cause it, you know, the things you're insecure about, you feel like it's almost like you're offering this proposition for people to be like, Oh, you know what? You are kind of a fraud, aren't you? I never really thought about it, but like, yeah, like this thing you're afraid of, like it is an issue. What um, were you saying the, in the post? Oh, um, I was saying that like, it was such a long journey for me to just feel valid in my own blackness. Um, my parents are why I'm adopted. And so my whole upbringing and the things I was exposed to, like, if I had just been in a vacuum, I literally would have never thought of it. I would have just been like, I'm black. And these are the things that I'm into. You know, I know, like, 12 Shania Twain songs, head to toe. Like, (laughs) and what? But like, you know, there's a legend. So that's not a bad thing. He's a legend. legend. Speaking of legends, I just quickly want to make a note. Yes, like Christina got like pigeonholed, but Stripped is also one of the greatest pop albums. albums. Yes. I was like, let's not distance ourselves too much from that girl. (laughs) I saw a twinkle in your eye, so I knew it just, you know, we had to touch on it. (laughs) Beautiful is one of the best songs ever, possibly. It's, it's, off a, of that it's so good. But um but I made a piece that was just speaking on like what a struggle that is and saying that like you know speaking to yourself but speaking outward and just hoping hoping that somebody sees you and has experienced that. And like I shared that post and I literally like I turned my phone off and I couldn't touch it because I was just like, I'm going to delete it like if I keep seeing it. And I'm just afraid that everybody's just going to think, I don't know, like I'm pathetic or something, you know, or like suddenly decide that 
all of my fears are completely valid, you know? Um, and it took me like such a long time to even get to a point where I could talk about it, you know, like this fear of not being black enough, this fear of not sounding black, not acting black, not dressing black, not listening to black music, not like all of these things that people just label and me kind of stopping and being like, well, first of all, I'm black. So I'm black as fuck period. Right. And like everything I do see and listen to is then by association, something that a black person does, you know? And like, then it opens up that like, that's such a, that's such a sad, like toxic investment in white supremacy. When we say like, that's blank things, a white person thing. It's like, okay, so white people own X, Y, and Z. No, white people don't own that. You know, like, and oftentimes it's a byproduct of what we do anyways. You know, like, so having that experience and like being comfortable enough to like put the art out that I do and then be able to say, like, say that's the experience I have. I feel like that was such an eye-opening experience because I wasn't turned away. And I feel like a lot of people, like, I was so surprised by how many people were just like, yeah, like, that's such a thing. And all these people were telling their own personal stories in the comments. And, like, we were all connecting on this thing that, like, I don't really get to hear talked about that much, you know? I don't, I don't really get the opportunity to have somebody talk about that outright and then me being able to be like, Oh my God, I'm not alone, you know? And so, yeah, absolutely. I I feel like I connect with that 100% because I've had similar experiences. I remember when we first moved here, we moved back to the States permanently and I was going to this, um, to this uh, private Catholic school uh, for the first seventh and eighth grade. And um, had to take the bus there. I was like the only black girl, only black person who was in the whole school. <laughs> and it was such a, such a like different environment. Cause I previ- was living in uh or Ivory coast before that. And was surrounded by black people, surrounded mm-hmm. by mixed people, surrounded by all kinds of people from all across the world. So it did, it just felt like, wait, where is anyone melanated like anybody um and and even as a even as a seventh grader I just was like this is not what like what what, where are we living and this was in Milwaukee um and then I but I was the only person also taking the bus um so I took I was taking the bus home and I would take two buses so I would get off at the first one to catch the second one and at that bus station there were these uh three black girls who were asking me like what school I went to and I told them and they were, we were just talking and then they said, you sound white. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking like, what does that mean? Yes. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? And I, I felt very defensive about that. And I would think like, wait, but like I am, my, my mom is American, black American and my dad is African. So I might be blacker than you, you know, like that was like, <laughs> that was, that would be my retort in my head. I never actually voiced that. Um, and that, like, now that I'm older, that is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say that anyways, you know what I mean? Because that's, yeah. there's a lot of complicated things around that, but, um, and that's just not true. But my point is that that's, like, we are fed these messages when we're really young, that there's a specific way to be. And we're, and that is a product of white supremacy. That is mm-hmm. a product of the way that white people have framed 
what a black person is and what their interests should be and how they should behave and what they should listen to. And if we internalize that, then we kind of spew it back to other people. And girls as young as however you're like 12 are saying that to other black girls at a bus stop. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that, that is so ingrained that that, that little children are saying that to each other. Mm. And so the cycle continues. 12 year olds are ruthless. <laughs> they really are. Honestly, <laughs> really are. I would not want to be 12 again. No. The kinds of things people are saying, I'm like, damn, that mm-hmm. is like cutting right to the white meat. No, truly savage. Like <laughs> on bad days, I think to myself, you're not in middle school. You're not in high school. <laughs> Thank God that's not happening. You're not getting like freaky Friday and suddenly you're just waking up and having to like do that all over again. Um, Which would be the true horror. I want to wrap up a bit and just think about where you want, where do you see yourself in the next five years? What do you want mm. to, how do you want to grow? How do you want to grow the business? How do you want to grow yourself and the kind of messages that you're putting out? First and foremost, I want to just keep making things that satisfy me um, and make me feel good. I want to just like live the rest of my life making art that makes me feel good that also makes other people feel good. Um, And I want to just, no matter where the road twists and turns, like that does not change. Um, So there's that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I want, I want to be successful. You know, I want to, you know, I want some commas in my bank account, but like, I, I do just, I want to just be happy, healthy and doing the art that I want to do. Um, and specifically what I want to do, like when we worked together, it was so satisfying and like such a, like a benchmark for me when people come and they say, this thing that you did, you know, and like wanting to work with me and like in my style and not like, can you draw this dog? Like this person drew this dog or like, can you do this realistic? Like I want the rest of my life to be specifically people coming to me to do like what I do. And so, um, that's like a huge, a huge goal of mine is just to kind of continue on this path and just kind of like keep operating like the sky's the limit. Thanks for joining me for this conversation with Anthony. You can follow Anthony on Instagram at at CosCon, spelled C-O-Z-C-O-N. You can also support his work by purchasing prints and shirts at his CosCon Etsy shop. A link to his shop is in the show notes. Leap Year is a production of Leap Year Podcast, LLC. Editing by Jess Cadjo and the incredible LaCase Cousineau. Music by Jess Cadjo and the uber-talented Matt Boyer. Created, hosted, and produced by me, Jess Cadjo. You can follow our team on Instagram at at Jess Cajo, at LaCase Cousineau, and at MMM Boyer. All social handles are in the show notes. Finally, thank you to my family and friends who supported me in this endeavor, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.